1989, I was pastoring in Texas, and uh, uh, some news got to me uh, that was terrible. And it eventually made a newspaper of me. It's a well-known story. Uh, A local doctor had gone to Mexico on a hunting trip, and while he was there, he, uh, he got a phone call saying that he needed to get home immediately. And the reason was is that his wife had shot and killed their son and then turned the gun on herself and killed herself. I never met that doctor, never knew that family. But here's one thing, just as a halfway decent person, I knew they were suffering. Man, what the... What terrible pain and heartache that must have been. And this morning, the first big thought I want us to get our heads around is this. Others around us are suffering. Others around us are hurting. However you want to define suffering, whether that's depression, whether that's grief, whether that's physical problems, whether that's their they've got problems with their children or problems with their parents or they have financial problems or they've lost their jobs. People around us are hurting and they're suffering. And, and that's, listen, that's the common denominator here that if you're 80 or 90 or whether you're, you're uh, 10 or 11 or 8 or whether you're uh, part of our youth group or college group is suffering uh, affects us all, and it affects everyone we know in all of our age groups. It's not like you start, well, okay, when you get to college, then you start suffering. Or when you get in your 40s, you start stu- suffering. No, you, you start suffering when you start living and you get old enough to understand there's pain around you. And this morning, we're going to talk about other suffering. Last week, if you were here, we talked about suffering from our perspective. Today, we're going to talk about it and how we can help other people when they are suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is our, our passage again this morning. Listen to these words. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Learn John three sixteen, and then learn these verses here. They're so beautiful. Who comforts us in all of our troubles... So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now, folks, if you were here last week, this will be a little bit of review. Probably not much review because you've already forgotten everything I said last week. So the word trouble in verse 4 literally means it's a powerful biblical Greek word. It means tribulation. It means to be broken or squeezed or to be crushed. It's, it's the idea literal of physical pressure, maybe from physical pain or some are, are from suffering that is, is causing you great trauma. Maybe it's emotional or psychological pain that's, that's moved from your head and your heart into your body and that's hurting you and causing you uh, to be pressed. It's a picture, uh, I said last week, it's the picture of an animal carrying a load that's too heavy and it just can't go on. How many of you ever pick up something or you grab something and you're going to carry it and you carry it about five steps and then you realize, uh, you know, if you're my age, you realize, you know, when I was their age, I could have done this. At my age, I can't. Uh, we all do that, don't we? We overestimate our own strength, our own biceps, and so we, we pick up stuff. And then, of course, if people are watching, our wife told us we couldn't do it, right, Eric? We, we do it. No matter what it costs, hernia, back surgery, we are going to do it at that point. But you know what it's like to get a load that's too heavy. That's, that's what Paul's saying here. Verse 8 through 10 
Paul says, listen, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. This was probably when Paul was in Ephesus. The book of Ephesians was written to the people in Ephesus. We were under great pressure, listen, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. That word sentence was a judicial word in the Greek culture, and it literally meant to be sentenced to death. Paul said, we felt like our time had came. In other words, that God had said, you are going to die. It's, it's over. You, you've reached the end of the pinnacle here. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. In verse 10, he has delivered us from such deadly peril. We don't know exactly what Paul's problems were. Was it physical problems? We know we had some physical problems. Were it psychological and emotional issues? Paul suffered certainly from dealing with anxiety and depression and isolation and loneliness. Was it just the persecution that he took often as a Christian and as a Christian leader? It could be all of these things above. We don't know, but here's the bottom line. Paul was telling these people, man, I suffered. And Paul was writing to these people in Corinth, and he was saying, I know that you're suffering too. And this morning, there are people here, some of you are hurting pretty bad. But I promise you, if you'll open your eyes and you look around and you listen You know people that are hurting in your world, people hurting in your school, people who are hurting in your workplace, people who are hurting in this room this morning, people in your neighborhood or in your family tree who are hurting. That's just a part of life. Now, here's the thing this morning. We're going to try to wrap our arms around how do we best help people who are suffering? How do we best help people who are hurting, people who are going through a difficult time, people who are struggling, people who don't know if they're going to make it? How do we best help them? Now, I I said this in the early service, and I think I stunned them, so I'll be more careful. This only applies to you if you're a Christian and a decent person. If you are a skunk or you just don't care about people, then go ahead and go to sleep. We will wake you up when we start the invitation hymn. Part of the invitation hymn is to get you to respond and get you to wake up. Amen? When you hear that, the music, you'll jolt yourself. You see, if you are a decent person, especially if you are a Christ follower, you care about other people that are hurting. You do. And I would tell you, here's a check mark for you this morning. If your heart lacks compassion at all, don't think you belong to Jesus. You, you, you probably don't. In other words, you are not a Christian. So this is only for halfway decent people and Christ followers this morning. How do we help people, okay? What do we do to make their suffering better? And again, I want to tell you, this applies to the young people as well as it does to the old people. When I was in high school, one of my dear friends, a guy had gone to school from fifth grade on in a small school, and we were very close. By the time we were seniors in high school, he had had a sister murdered and his mother murdered. He was just 17 years old, and I want to tell you, he understood suffering. And he could have sat with people and helped people in a way that, that people with PhDs couldn't have. So it's not, not about your age, it's about your heart here. Number one, simply be there for them. This may sound so simple unless you have some experience helping people who are hurting. How do you best help people who are hurting? I mean, get them to a doctor. Get them to a counselor. Get them to a minister. I'm 100% for all those things. I do those things. 
But here's how you can help them. Simply, simply be there for them. Verse 5 through 7. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you endurance of the same suffering we've suffered. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you share in our comfort. Here's what Paul is, just in a real simple way, Paul saying, look, We've hurt, you're hurting, and I want you to know we are there for you. And the cool thing is, is we know that you are here for us. Here's a fundamental mistake that you make and that I make when it comes to people who are suffering. We don't know what to say, right? Be scared of the person who always knows what to say, okay? Be scared of that person. And so here's what we do. We say, I don't know what to say. I don't know anything I can do to help. So what do we do? We don't do anything. We don't go to the funeral home. We don't call them. We don't check on them. And a lot of times it's not just we're being mean. We just don't know what to do. You don't have to be profound to share your life to people. Listen, this is extremely important. Here's where we mess up. We try to be profound. Well, I've got to say something that's just going to absolutely change their lives right here at the casket. You're not going to. As a pastor, for many years, the mistake I made as a young pastor was thinking, okay, I've got to go in there and I've got to say something that everything's going to be okay. When I, It's just not going to happen. Some of the dumbest things ever said are to suffering people. My first church, there was a family, had a baby who had been sick, three years old, We had prayed and prayed and prayed for that little boy to be healed, and he died. Here's what someone said to that mom and dad at the visitation at the casket the night before the funeral. Well, your baby's healed now. He's in heaven with Jesus. If they hadn't have been so stunned, they probably would have knocked those people over the head with the flowers. Listen, if somebody in my family, especially a little one, dies... Please don't tell me at the funeral. Well, they're healed now. They're in heaven with Jesus. I understand that intellectually. I don't understand that in my heart when I'm suffering. Y'all following me? See, that sometimes when we try to be profound, we profoundly put our foot in our mouth and in the other person's ear. We hurt them. In, in, In graduate school, what they told us, this is just called the ministry of presence. It's just being there for people. It's showing up. It's making the phone call. It's making the visit. It's sending the email. It's writing the note. It's just being there. Again, it's not necessarily being there for eight hours. It's it's just being there for people. Listen, one of the most profound things you can do for somebody is let them know that you're there for them, okay? I read a great story this week. I thought it was a great story. A a guy who was in graduate school. He was studying to be a preacher. He was driving a school bus, and there was a little boy on the school bus, a nine-year-old boy. He said the boy was good. He was a little peculiar, but he was good. But at a Halloween party that year, there was an accident. A little boy was killed, nine years old. So this guy, is a, he's in training to be a minister, but he's got a heart for people. And he goes, oh, you know, I don't know what to do, but I've got to go to the funeral home. So he goes to the funeral home. The dad and the mom are there and the stepmom. He said the sad thing was there wasn't many other people. 
He said, I went up to him, I introduced myself, and he said, I, I told him something about Jesus. I was trying to be preacher and profound. And he said, then I just broke down and cried because it was such a terrible thing. He said, I didn't see them again, but about a year later, I ran into the mom, and the mom said to me, he said, I didn't recognize her. She recognized me. And here's what she said. She said, you know, you said something to us about Jesus that day, and that was good. But she said, the fact you came and cried with us meant the world to us. The ministry of presence. Just be there for people, okay? You realize how profound it is when you're on the, the other side of the suffering, okay? Here's the second thing. Care for people out of your own experience. And I put in parentheses, pain. Remember, God, one of the reasons that God allows suffering and pain to come into our life, it, it's a part of life, it's a part of a sinful world, it's a part of the world we live in, but God wants to use your experiences to help you be able to help other people better. That's one of the primary thoughts of this text. Verse 4 through 6, listen to what it says. Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can do what? Comfort those who are in trouble themselves. For just as the suffering of Christ flows over into our life, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces good things in your life too. What, what a neat thing here he says. Nine times... Nine times in verse 3 through 7, the word comfort is used. Comfort here means to encourage. It means to go by someone's side. It means to help. And remember, I said this last week, we get our English word comfort from the Latin word comfort, which literally means to be brave together. It's that ministry of presence. It's being there for other people. Here's what Paul says. God says through Paul, Paul says, listen, I've gone through a lot of junk, and one of the things that does is it helps me be able to help you as you go through the junk. Folks, I want to tell you, no one likes to suffer. No one likes heartache. No one likes hard times. But if you will let it, one thing it does in your life is it makes you a much more compassionate and kind person to other people. Now, don't fake it. Don't, don't go somewhere when you've never experienced something and tell someone, I understand how you feel. I know what you're going through. Don't, don't say that to people unless you have. But listen, there's going to be times in your life you're going to encounter somebody that's going through something, and you're going to be able to pull back and go, oh, my goodness, I remember when that happened to me. When my dad died of a heart attack 20-something years ago, when I went home one summer right after it happened to Tennessee, one of the guys I sought out to talk to was a guy that it wasn't even a Christian, but his dad had died when he was young in life because he knew what I was going through. I mentioned to you about a three-year-old child dying in my, my first church. That was the first funeral I did. The second funeral I did were two twins. Twins, they were born. They lived about 10 or 15 minutes apiece, and they died. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Mom and dad, as you can imagine, were just absolutely devastated. Guess who ministered best to that couple? The couple who had lost their own baby a year earlier. Draw back on your own pain. Go back in your own suffering. You don't want to. I'm not telling you to do some kind of weird psychological thing to just bring heartache on you. But when other people are hurting, 
one thing that can come from that is it enables you to be a better helper and a caregiver to other people. Minister out of your own pain. Here's the third thing. Put yourself in their place and be compassionate. Now, again, you may not have gone through a lot of the things people are going through, but a biblical principle is always to put yourself in the place of other people. Verse 3, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Listen, Jesus Christ is a compassionate God. Isn't that wonderful? In Ephesians 5.1, listen to what Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Folks, if you're a Christian, your role model and your idol is Jesus Christ. It's God. So you say, how should I live my life? You live your life to be like Christ, 1 John 2.6. Anyone who says he is a Christian should live like Jesus. If God's compassionate, that's the call for you and for me is to be that kind of person. When your friends at school, when your friends at work, when your friends at church, when your family members are going through stuff, you go, you know, I've never experienced anything like that. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Psychologists say that there's a new disorder on the horizon, horizon called empathy deficit disorder. Now, empathy is to hurt with someone or for someone. It's to feel their pain, literally. So a deficit disorder means trouble. Like I have hair deficit disorder, right? Okay, that, that's the, anything that's deficit disorder is probably not good, okay? Empathy deficit disorder, these psychologists say is on the rise. It says that people nowadays, we just don't care. We just don't have a, a concern for other people. We don't hurt for other people. We're too busy. We're too important. Man, we're sorry you're going through it, but we just don't have time to put our heart in there and feel that with you. We're too wrapped up in a small package of ourselves. And I want to say this again. Man, examine yourselves. If you are not a compassionate person, why do you think you're a son of God, a child of God? Okay, let's get back on track. How do you help people? Put yourself in their shoes. Matthew 7, 12. Listen to what Matthew 7, 12. It's called the golden rule. So in everything, this would include when people are hurting, do to others what you would have them do to you. For all the Old Testament law and the prophets, everything in the Old Testament dealing with Human morals and ethical situations is summed up in that one sentence. Just treat people like you want to be treated. Treat them like you want to be treated. When they're suffering, put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if you lost that family member? How would you feel if you lost your job? How would you feel if your money went down the the tube? How would you feel if your child or your parent or you got a report from the doctor that wasn't good at all? That's what God's saying here. Put yourself in other people's shoes and be compassionate. Man, this is so important. I remember growing up, I don't know if they still do, Josh. I should have talked to you beforehand. But 
We'll say 12 years old and under. We won't say teenagers. But, they, you know, when, when I was 11 or 12 and I had a girlfriend, the old-timers called it Puppy Love. Remember that, Puppy? There was a song that Clayton used to play in college by Donny Osmond. It's only Puppy Love. And, and you know, and adults used to kind of make fun of kids when they would break up and stuff. Oh, that's just Puppy Love. And, and I remember I had a pastor say this one time. He said, Puppy Love's real to the puppy. You don't think a 10-year-old can hurt? Put yourself in their shoes. And again, if you're too cool for school, you know what? I bet at some point God will bring you down and he will humble you, especially if you claim you belong to him. Minister to people by putting yourself in their shoes. Here's the fourth thing. Pray for them. Verse 11 is such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful verse. As you help us by your prayers. I told you last week our English word help is made up of three biblical Greek words, with and under and work. And the word prayer there means specific request. And what he's saying here, when we pray for people, we are walking with them. We are helping them. We are under them. We are beside them. We are lifting them up to God. When we pray for other people, the term that's often used is intercessory prayer. How many of you have heard that before? Intercessory prayer. A lot of times when we talk about prayer, petition means I'm praying for me. Interceding, intercessory means I'm praying for you. Here's what the, the concept of intercessory prayer, and look at this is really, really neat and significant. Intercessory prayer is I put my hand in God's hand, and I put my hand in your hand, and I connect you to. Isn't that awesome? You see, I've had people tell me, I'm never coming to church. Don't invite me to church anymore. And I say, well, you're pretty mean. Why don't you go over here to this other church in town? They look back. I don't say that. <laughs> or I've had people tell me before, I'm not going to give my life to Christ, and I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay, good for you. I've told people I'm praying for them, and I've had people say, don't pray for me. But you know what? They can't keep me from praying for them, can they? Big childish. They can't. Man, listen to this. Whether they want it or not, but a lot of times when people are suffering, they want it. You can put your hand in God's hand and you can put your hand on their heart and you can touch God for them. Is that not awesome? Man, that is helping people with your prayers. Man, young people, you can be a prayer warrior. Start right now. Man, pray and lift people up to Jesus Christ. Voice of the Martyrs is an organization here in America, in Oklahoma, that, that tries to help Christians that are persecuted throughout the whole world. And they, uh, they, they do a lot of great ministry. And I read this week, listen to this, persecuted Christians, people who are suffering for following Jesus, they were asked, what is the number one thing that you need or want? I thought, well, maybe it would be for, to get governments like America to... to Petition their governments. That wasn't it. Was it money? Don't, don't ministers, don't we all want more money? No, it wasn't money. Here's what it was. It was prayer. They said, when we're suffering for Jesus, what we need more than anything else is we need prayer. Listen, write that person's name down. Be as specific as you can and pray and pray and pray for them. Best way to pray for somebody else is pray for them just like you want to be prayed for, Correct? 
See, here's what most of us do. We say, okay, I'm going to, hey, Wayne, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I'm praying for you. And then we forget about it. Two weeks later, we bump into Wayne in the hallway, and we go, oh, Lord, be with Wayne. Wayne, I've been praying for you, man. I've been praying for you. Greatest lie that I can tell you is to tell you I'll pray for you, not do it. Brains, paper is more accurate than brains. Write it down. Or or do whatever you need to get it down. Okay? Last thing, point him to Jesus. Point him to Jesus. How do you help people? You do these other things, and then verse 9 and 10, look what it says. In our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened. We might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Did you get that? We're going to pray for him to a God who raises the dead. Folks, if somebody can raise the dead, they can help you and me and our family and friends with their problems. Amen? Wow. He has delivered us from such deadly peril. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Folks, when people are suffering, get them to Jesus. Get them to a counselor. Get them to a doctor. Get them help and get them to Jesus. Folks, a lot of people are not open to God until there's enough pain in their life. And then when there's enough pressure or pain and nothing else is working, they'll be willing to look to God. It's called a teachable moment. In verse 6, listen to what he says. In verse 6, he says, If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and your salvation. In other words, he's saying here, I want, I'm suffering. And one of the reasons Paul said, I'm suffering, is so I can comfort you better and then ultimately get you to Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Years ago, I had a friend, I had talked to him and talked to him, talked to him about Jesus. He'd been baptized, so he was okay. He went to church eight or nine times a year, so he was okay. He believed in Jesus here. He was okay. He was never interested until he train wrecked his own life almost, and he calls the preacher friend. That's the kind of friend you want to be, guys. You want to be the kind of friend, they may not call you to go do the cool stuff with them, but when their life's in trouble, they'll call you, and that's good. We talked about an hour about what he needed to do because he was afraid he was going to lose his job. He'd messed up so bad outside of work. We talked about how he needed to go talk to his boss and be upfront and be honest. Finally, it came back to this. Man, where are you with Jesus? We've talked about this. We've talked about this. But your, but your life and your profession don't match up. He said, man, I need to really look at that. We got off the phone. He called me back 30 minutes later and said, I just gave my life to Jesus. People are open. You know people this morning who are away from God, who are Christ followers, but they are far from God. Something eventually is going to happen to rattle their cage. And when it does, you be there for them. You love them. And then you remind them, Jesus is what you need. And Paul wrote this as a very experienced, mature Christian. And he said, God is using this suffering to draw me to him. So the friend or family member you know may be really right on target with God, but God can always bring us closer. Bring people to Jesus. That's the last way we help them and the most significant. I want to read to you the words of an old song. Josh said he... He listened to it online. Who, who was the group, Josh, you listened to it online? That, okay, he doesn't remember. 
It's Simon and Garfunkel. Y'all never heard of them, have you? No. Everybody that's, everybody that's behind the youth has heard of them. Because you hear that name one time, you'll never forget it. I mean, there's not like 15 Garfunkels in Ruston High School or anything like that. Oh, yeah, Frank and Bill. I know them. No, you don't. The song it was Bridge Over Troubled Waters. And, and listen, listen to the words. It says, when you're weary, when you're feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will draw them all. I'm on your side when times get rough and friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled waters, I will lay me down. When you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part when darkness comes and pain is all around. Like a bridge over troubled waters, I will lay me down. You know, that's what God wants you and me to be to the people in our world. Let's pray.